This program is brought to you by Bible Way Media, a work of the Ulaga Church of Christ. In Matthew 22, we see Jesus telling the parable of the wedding feast that the king was giving for his son. After that, some of the Pharisees' disciples, along with the Herodians, came to him trying to entangle him with questions, trying to catch him up. Matthew 23:16. Jesus shut them down very quickly. They marveled and went away. Then the Sadducees came at him as well. They did not believe in the resurrection nor in angels. But we read in chapter 22 of Matthew, verses 23 through 34. The same day came to him the Sadducees, which say, There is no resurrection, and asked him, saying, Master, Moses said, If a man die having no children, his brother shall marry his wife, and raise up seed unto his brother. Now there were with us seven brethren, and the first, when he had married a wife, deceased, and having no issue, left his wife unto his brother. Likewise the second also, and the third, unto the seventh. And last of all, the woman also died. Therefore in the resurrection, whose wife shall she be of the seven? For they all had her. Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err, not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have ye not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his doctrine. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Hmm. We can see from these accounts that the tormentors of our Lord were not only in error, but they were ignorant of who Christ truly was. Do you suppose that we could make the same mistake today? Have you ever talked with someone who asked you a question about the Bible and then attempted to discredit the inspired Word of God? Maybe they would use some kind of a loose translation that accommodated their personal belief. Or perhaps they failed to even recognize that the scriptures are absolute truth, written by inspired men of God, John 17:17 17, 17, and 2 Peter 1:21. When we start to question what is blatantly and plainly written for us to live by and given to us by our Heavenly Father, and we decide that our way is a better way, We're in for some serious trouble. If faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, and we know that it does, because that's exactly what Romans 10.17 tells us, but we decide we can change or modify that holy word, we are usurping the creator of the universe. And that is a terrifying position to be in. I pray that none of us ever find ourselves on that pathway. Let's look at a few more passages that we read in Matthew chapter 23 that follow this previous discourse that Jesus had with these erring religious groups in Matthew 22. In Matthew 23, 1 through 4, we read, Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore, whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do, but do ye not after their works. For they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, 
but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. Those religious leaders who were in teaching positions, those who were bringing forth the law of Moses to the people, were the scribes and Pharisees. Jesus is letting the multitudes and his disciples, those who are diligently seeking for truth, know that they must adhere to what God has to say, not what man says. So if those leaders are reading from his word and follow that perfectly, so are they to do that as well. But if they are imposing more than that which was written and delivered by God, Moses, and the prophets, then they're going to be judged a righteous judgment by God for adding to that holy word or removing that which God established. Now let's look at a few of the disastrous woes that our Lord pronounced upon those who would teach error or go beyond, transgress the law. We're going to look at Matthew 23, verses 13 through 15. First we read in verse 13, But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Being in error, these false teachers will not be able to enter the kingdom. But on top of that, they're keeping others from entering. This is such a sad picture. Again, can we be guilty of this? I would pray not. But the pitiful thing is, yes, that happens today in the church even. People who maintain they are Christians who do not follow the biblical teachings of our Lord lead others astray. And that's why regular Bible study is so very important. We don't want to be an uneducated guide or one who speaks truth but fails to exercise that truth in our lives. And we certainly don't want to blindly follow such a one down a pathway to destruction. We must also guard against the bias, bigotry, and being dictatorial. As women of God, we have a unique opportunity to draw other women in, maybe to ladies' Bible classes or individual study groups, and a host of other activities that our male counterparts cannot. We must use these open doors toward the furtherance of the kingdom to glorify God rather than an opportunity to just shine our own light. Secondly, in verse 14, he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye devour widows' houses, for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. Do we take advantage of others' misfortune as we pray for their demise? That is such an ungodly, hypocritical thing to do. Jesus condemned this behavior as well. Taking advantage of anyone, especially those who are enduring struggles, whether it be of a physical or spiritual nature, all the while praying for their well-being as we contribute to their demoralized state is the height of hypocrisy. Shame on those who would do such. To prey upon those who are weak, who are at their lowest point, is selfish, self-centered, and without natural affection. And then we have verse 15. Woe unto scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye can pass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. These are strong, harsh words our Lord is speaking. God tells us, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Peter admonishes us to do likewise in Second Peter 1.16. When we set out to teach the lost, Try to make new converts out of them. 
and we are behaving in a way that is not in accordance with the will of God, we're going to have to answer to God in that last great day. And while the burden of securing their soul for eternal realm is still upon them, ultimately their responsibility, we will share a part in their condemnation as well in our own. So Jesus sums this up in verses 25 through 28. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye are likened to the whitest sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Well, while some of these are hard sayings our Lord put forth to us, it should cause us to ponder, ladies. While we may not lead in as public a way as the men do, we're still leading others as women of God. And we should take our role very seriously. It begins in the home and flows outward to the community the church, our workplaces, wherever we come in contact with others. May we always remember this and represent ourselves as wise and faithful women of God, true daughters of God. Let's always remember that if we take the name of Jesus, we must keep the name of Jesus. And while that name may bring us some small degree of sorrow and of woe upon this earth, it will not compare to the woes that will confront us in the hereafter when we will give an account of the deeds done while we were here, if we fail to keep him first. May we find comfort and joy in doing his will as we sojourn here. I thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this program. We encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on Pandora, Spotify, or Podbean. Thanks for listening.